Glory. Daniel chapter 9 tonight. We're going to be talking about praying to a sovereign God. We've been learning that our God is sovereign and being reminded of that throughout our study of Daniel. The most high God rules in the kingdoms of men. Daniel chapter 5, verse 21. And over and over again, that theme is stated throughout the book of Daniel. But we've also been challenged by the example of Daniel and his friends, of how they lived their lives. And we're going to be challenged and encouraged again tonight. And I hope if we don't take anything else from tonight, that obviously we have had a tremendous time of worship tonight, and God is already moving, I want to hopefully encourage us in our prayer life tonight. Because when you come to Daniel chapter 9, most folks concentrate on verses 24 through 27, the great 70-week prophecy of Daniel. But let's not forget that that is the smallest part of the chapter, and that is the answer to Daniel's prayer. The majority of the chapter deals with Daniel praying to God. In fact, something very interesting, tonight we're just going to look at the first 21 verses to a point, and, and it's very interesting to me that in the first 18 verses of Daniel chapter 9, that's all preparation for the actual prayer. The actual prayer is only one verse, verse 19. Now think about that. The preparation for the prayer is 18 verses, and the actual prayer's one verse. That speaks to me. That says something to me. That, that teaches me something. That inspires me to be a certain way. Speaking of that, throughout this book, as I said, Daniel has set a standard of spiritual excellence. As a young man being pulled away from his country and his family and everything else, he was thrust into Babylon. And even at a young age, he navigated that so well. He was always such a solid, stable witness for God. He was always faithful to God, no matter what. And as he grew older, it didn't matter what kingdom he was in. It didn't matter who was in authority over him. He just continued to live a consistent life before God. And speaking of prayer, we know that the reason he was even thrown into the lion's den, that famous chapter, is because he was unwilling to give up praying to his God. Prayer meant that much. It was the lifeblood of Daniel. And I think we're going to see that again tonight in Daniel chapter 9. I want us, first of all, as we look at his standard of excellence, to see two disciplines that he had in his life. In the first couple of verses, he had a discipline in the Word of God, and he had a discipline of prayer. Notice, in the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, who was of Median descent and who had been appointed king over the Babylonian Empire, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, came to understand from the sacred books that according to the word of the Lord disclosed to the prophet Jeremiah, the years for fulfilling the desolation of Jerusalem were 70 in number. So, I turned my attention to the Lord to implore him by prayer and request. Notice Daniel in verse 2 had a discipline in the word of God. He spent time in the word. 
And notice it says the sacred books, and then it says the word of the Lord, because it's one and the same. The scriptures are God's word. It is God, not man, speaking to us. It is God speaking to us. And Daniel saw it from that perspective as well. That's why we should get into the word of God. But notice something here, and we're going to come back to this later on, that his time in the word then fueled his prayer life. You see that? I was reading, and as I was reading, I was inspired to start praying. We've been talking even throughout our worship series that concluded a couple weeks ago, how that worship in the Word is, has that kind of a relationship. That the more you get into the Word and you learn about God and His plan and His purposes, the more our heart should be drawn to want to worship Him. And the more we worship Him, then the more we want to get to know Him through His Word, so it drives us back to the Word, which drives us to worship. Throughout our Christian life, what I want us to see is these things are not compartmentalized. They all, these disciplines work together. The more I worship God, the more I'm going to want to be in his word and the more I'm going to want to pray. The more I pray, the more I'm going to want to be in his word and I'm going to want to worship him. It all goes together. And so I want us to be challenged and encouraged and inspired tonight by Daniel's standard. He always made time to get into the Word of God because he knew that this was God speaking to him. This was God's love letter to him, if you will. This was God's mind and wisdom to him so that he could be instructed. And he certainly says that. He says, I was reading through Jeremiah and saw that God had planned for the desolation of Jerusalem to last 70 years. Well, he's like, hmm. Well, we're going through that right now. He's thinking. And he's like, well, when did that start from God's perspective? I want to know. I want to know where do we fit into his plan that he's laid out in Jeremiah? And how do I fit into that plan? So it fuels his prayer. Now, before we get into some of the principles here, too, I, I want us to see this attitude of prayer that Daniel brings. And these are also things that I think you and I should emulate in our prayer life. First of all, I see the attitude of humility. Notice in verse 3, so I turned my attention to the Lord God to implore him by prayer and request with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I know my place, Daniel says. I know who I'm getting ready to talk to, and I am coming humbly before my God. Notice he is, verse 3, the Lord God. And I am getting ready to set my face or turn my attention to him and talk to him about something and hear from him about something. In fact, can I say, that's also something you find dynamically in prayer, in the word, and in worship. It's always give and take. It's always a two-way street. As we worship God, God 
is speaking and moving and, and working with us. As we get into his word, we're hearing him, but we're also listening and we're also being guided. It's a two-way street. As we pray, we're not only talking to God, but we're taking time to listen to God. It's give and take. It's, it's us responding to God as God responds to us. That's a, a healthy prayer life. That's a healthy time in the word of God. It's a healthy time in worship, you see. But he comes humbly before his God. I love what the prophet Micah records. He says, God has shown us as his people what he requires of us. And that is to do justice, to love mercy, and to what? Walk humbly with our God. I love that. To walk humbly with our God. That was the attitude of Daniel. Next, notice confession is another attitude. He says in verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God, confessing in this way. In fact, if you get down to verse 20, notice it says, while I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel. What is confession? Literally, confession means to agree with God or to say the same thing that God says about something. That's what confession is, you see. And I think that when we come to the presence of God, again, notice this is all preparatory to the actual request. Daniel comes worshiping, he comes humbly, and he comes confessing his own sin and the sin of his people. And the reason I think that's important is because when we come confessing through our prayers, we are also realizing and acknowledging that it is only by God's grace that I can even approach the throne of God and talk to him. I don't deserve to be there. I can't earn a spot there. I can't do enough good to, to merit being able to go. The only reason any of us go into the presence of God is because of the grace and mercy of God and that he provided a way through his son, Jesus. And every time you and I approach God and, and approach his presence, we should all be reminded we're only here by grace. And then I see reverence and respect also in verse 4. O Lord, great and awesome God, who is faithful to his covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned. There, there's a reverence and respect for God. There's a confession. There's an agreement with God. We're going to say the same things about things that you say, God, we're going to come back to that point, but in a sense, you're going to see that confession helps build our hearts to align with God's heart. And then he comes humbly, humbly. So what I want to do tonight, and I want to spend more time with some than others, is to just go through some of the principles that God sort of showed me from this passage of Scripture, and some of them we've already sort of touched on, but I want to go back for the sake of emphasis. First of all, prayer is a response to the Word of God. Notice that. Daniel's prayer 
was a response to the word of God. I, I don't want us to miss this. Because again, sometimes in our Christian life, we compartmentalize things. I'm going to go now and I'm going to spend my time in the word as if that's just word time. No. Time in the word can be worship time. Time in the word can be prayer time. We don't, we don't have to look at it that way. In fact, again, if we're just open to the moving of the Spirit and to what the presence and power of God wants to do in our life, just like Daniel, we could start out in the Word and end up worshiping. I mean, we could go through a passage and start just becoming so overwhelmed by God's love and grace or whatever we're, we're being reminded of in the Word of God that we just pause for a moment from reading or meditating or studying on the Word of God and we just start worshiping God. And there may be times just like Daniel where we're reading something and, and it, it, it triggers in us like, I, I need to talk to God more about this. And so it fuels our prayer, you see. Don't, don't approach the disciplines of our Christian life compartmentally. Be open-ended. You may intentionally start out worshiping, but may end up praying. You may start out praying and end up studying the Word. You may start out in the Word and end up praying. It doesn't matter because it's all going to be guided and driven and led by the Spirit of God within us, just as it was to Daniel. Here, prayer was a response to the Word of God. In a sense, it gave Daniel the information that was like so captivating and so intriguing that it sparked something in, in him that's like, hmm, I want to talk to God more about that, that 70 years, because I know I'm living in that right now. I, I want to know how this all fits in. So that's the first principle. Second, prayer should be characterized by passion and persistence. Prayer should be characterized by passion and persistence. Even in the preparation, if you will, for Daniel's heart to get to the place where he finally utters his request in verse 19, those first 18 verses, you see the passion of Daniel for God, for spiritual things, for God's will, for God's plan, for God's purposes, for God's people, for God's glory, you see a passion there. And, and I would, you know, submit to all of us that our prayer life would be more dynamic and be more disciplined and all of that if our passion for God was more. We'd want to talk with him and commune with him and, and be in his presence more and talk over things with him more. Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, my people should always pray and not faint, not lose heart, not give up, always pray. Paul says to the Philippians, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Prayer. But prayer should be passionate and persistent. Persistent. God's not always going to respond as quickly as he did to Daniel, as we're going to see tonight. And many times, as we're going to see tonight, 
God isn't going to choose to change the circumstances that we're bringing before God. He wants to change us. That takes time. That's not just a one and done. I'm going into God's presence and then I'm going to come out just perfectly where I need to be. It's going to take time. And so God wants us to come back and continue to pray about those things and on those things so that he can not only maybe work on others and work on, on a situation much bigger than what we can perceive, but he wants to work on our heart too, you see. Three, prayer is characterized by self-awareness. If you struggle with self-awareness, really knowing where you are, develop a prayer life. I, you can't live in the presence of God and not be more aware of yourself. Because God will make us aware as we go into his presence. He will, he will affirm those things that should be affirmed. He will assure us of those things that we may be, you know, struggling with or doubting with, but we're just, you know, we just need some reassurance. But he'll also point out those areas in our life or in our heart or whatever that need some tweaking or correcting. And we will become more self-aware as we pray and enter into the presence of God. You see this with Daniel, with his confession. Again, I'll direct your attention to verse 4. I pray to the Lord, confessing in this way. And then verse 20, I'm confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. And I know what it is. Why? Because I've been in the presence of God. <laughs> He's a holy God. So as we, sinful people, come into the presence of holy God, we'll... Pretty quickly, we'll see the things that God wants to point out. The great thing about our God is he does it in such a loving, gentle way. He wouldn't have to be that way. Unless we get to the point where we just are stubborn and hard-hearted, and then he might have to get a little bit more determined with us. Which leads me to the next principle. Prayer is aligning ourselves with God. And then this goes along with that, so it's not a separate principle. Prayer is guided and grounded in God's will, not ours. Prayer is aligning ourselves with God. It is guided and grounded in God's will. So many Christians spend a lot of time throughout their Christian life almost like a child does with a parent. I have my ideas, God, and I want to use this aspect of prayer to sort of wear down my Heavenly Father so that he'll finally see things my way and give me what I want. That is an unbiblical perspective on prayer. Again, when we begin to spend time in the presence of God through worship, through the word, through prayer, we will begin to see who our God is. And just like Nicole pointed out in our prayer, we will, we will understand our God only has our best interest at heart. And that whatever he has planned for us, whatever he has purposed for us, it's because he created us for that and he loves us and that's the best for us. 
And so God uses our time with him in prayer many times to get our heart aligned with his, which is why many times God is not interested as much in changing the circumstances that we're coming to him to pray about as much as he wants to change us, maybe to handle the circumstances. Again, think about Paul as an example. God, take this thorn away from me. Three times I asked God, and God said, nope, my grace is sufficient. God answered his prayer, just like God will always answer our prayers. He will always respond, as we're going to see tonight. It just may not be the response of the answer we're looking for that we want. Because God is more interested in getting our hearts aligned with his heart and to get us to a place just like Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. God, I'm going to pour out my heart to you. If there's any other way that this salvation thing could be done so that you don't have to turn your back on your son, so that the fellowship that we've had from, for all of eternity would not be broken because now I'm going I'm to be the sin bearer and I'm going to take on the sin of the whole world upon myself and you being a holy God cannot abide sin. So you're going to have to turn away from me if there'd be any other way. But if not, your will be done, not mine. See, Jesus, even by his own example in the garden, showed us this principle. And so the more time we spend with God again in worship and in the word, in prayer, like Daniel, the more we will come to God and go, God, this isn't about me getting you to do what I want you to do. It's about me realizing what is it that you're doing? What is it that you want to do? And how do you want me to fit into it? That's what prayer is really all about. Next, prayer identifies ourselves as part of something bigger than ourselves. Prayer identifies ourselves as part of something bigger than ourselves. Notice in verse 5, we have sinned, the whole nation. We have done what is wrong and wicked. We have rebelled by turning away from your commandments and standards. We have paid no attention to your servants, the prophets who spoke by your authority to our kings, our leaders, and our ancestors, and to all the inhabitants of the land as well. Look at verse 15. Now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with great power and made a name for yourself that is remembered to this day, we have sinned and behaved wickedly. And notice that Daniel identifies himself with the larger group. Even though Daniel was a faithful man, even though Daniel may not have personally done those things, he understands something. We're all interconnected here. We are the people of God, Old Testament, Israel, just like we today are the people of God, the church distinct and different from the nation of Israel, but same principle apply. We're all part of something bigger than ourselves. And as we pray 
to this great God, we begin to understand we are just a small piece and a small part of what God is doing and what God wants to do. And I always have to keep that in mind. And prayer helps me keep that perspective because so often in our prayers, our prayers can become, if we're not careful, very self-absorbed, very self-focused, very all about us. And we forget how we are so intertwined and interconnected with people much bigger than ourselves so that God is working not just on our level, but he's working on 10,000 levels at the same time. And that's why it's important that we come in faith when we talk to God and leave our requests with God, because again, we will never be able to see the picture as God sees it. We cannot see the big picture. We cannot see all the people that God is working with behind the scenes as we pray and talk to him about situations. We don't see how he's going to use that in other people's lives, maybe today or even down the road five, ten years later. We can't see all that. So we've got to always remind ourselves we're part of something bigger. And as I pray, I need to keep that in mind. Am I coming to God and am I just making this request or asking him for this just for me? Or am I getting a bigger, broader perspective on things? And maybe what I need to do is begin to realize that I fit in to something much bigger, which we all do, whether we realize it or not. Even those of you that are part of the Oasis Church, none of us who are part of this body praise about things in isolation of everybody else here because what's happening with you affects all of us. That's what the Bible says. That's why the Bible calls us as the people of God to rejoice with those in the body who are rejoicing, to weep with those who are weeping, to those who are carrying extra heavy loads at that season of life. We are to come along and bear one another's burdens, all the one another passages of the New Testament. And the only way they can be carried out is when we realize we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And what affects someone else in the body affects me, which is why Paul says to the Corinthians, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Yes, we do. And every part is of value and importance because we're all tied together, you see. And Daniel got that. We have sinned. We have fallen short. We're all in this together. And I'm not going to sit there and come before God as this righteous Daniel and start pointing the finger at everybody else for you know, it's all their fault that we're in this mess. And if everybody would have been as good as me, we'd have never... No, Daniel doesn't do that. Because going back to his attitude, he comes to God humbly. He comes confessing. He comes with reverence and respect. These last couple are my, two of my favorites in the whole passage, though. Prayer is dependent on the character of God. Prayer is dependent on, and what I mean by that is, when you and I begin through our worship and through the word and through prayer to realize the character of our God, the more we're going to want to pray. Just as the more we're going to want to worship him and the more we're going to be 
wanting to go back into his word and learn more about it. Because he's so wonderful. He's so great. He's so amazing. And so if I know that my God is that way, then I'm going to want to talk to him about everything. I'm not, I'm not going to want to not include him in anything in my life. I'm going to want to bring him in and make him a part of everything. If he's that good, if he's that great, going back to even the title of this passage tonight, praying to a sovereign God. I mean, if nothing else, we should be encouraged because our God is in control. Therefore, we're not just praying to someone that can't do anything about anything. If anybody can do something about something, it's our God. He's got the power and the resources and, and the wisdom and everything to be able to do something about it if he wants to. So we should never feel like, oh, I'm just praying. No, it's the best thing we can do because we're going to the one person communicating with the one person in the universe that not only knows what to do, but can do something about it. So notice all these. I, I sort of highlighted them in my Bible. There's eight things, eight characteristics of God's character that Daniel points out here. If you go back up to verse 4, first, he's great. Oh, Lord, great. It, it's a word also that can mean powerful, almighty, all-powerful. God, you got the power. You're mega God. You're magnificent. There's nothing greater or bigger than you. Great, great God, you know. Then, oh, you're an awesome God. Within that word is the word awe. You inspire awe. You're astonishing. You're astounding. You, you create awe within me, God. I, I stand before you in awe. I'm in all of you and nothing else, God. Do you remember the first time? You stood by the ocean, and you looked out, and you just were like, wow. Or maybe, you know, you went to the Grand Canyon, and you stood at the edge, and just like were over, you were in awe of something in creation. What about being in awe of the one who created it? You see, God, you're an awesome God. And then notice, God, you're faithful. You are reliable. You are dependent. You are trustworthy. I can count on you. You are faithful to your covenant. You keep your commandments, even though we may not keep them. Wow. What a God. God's always faithful to us, whether we are to him or not. Verse 7, you are righteous. God, you're right. Everybody else is wrong. <laughs> and that's part of why we need to align ourselves with God, because God is always right. He always has the best plan. He always has the best way of implementing that plan. He has the best method. He's got it all, because he's righteous. Verse 9, he's compassionate. Oh, my, merciful, understanding. He's forgiving. So glad of that. God is a forgiving God. Over and over again, never runs out. 
all of our sin forgiven. Verse 14, the Lord is mindful. It means he watches over us all the time. God doesn't get distracted from us even though we get distracted from him. God always keeps his eye on us. In fact, even in the Old Testament, it describes God's people as being the apple of his eye, literally meaning I, I couldn't take my eye off of you if I wanted to. He talks about engraving his people on the palms of his hands. God is basically saying, you're never not the object of my attention. I'm mindful of you always. I know what's going on. Part of sometimes why we don't pray is we don't think God cares. He doesn't see what I'm going through. He doesn't know what I'm going through. No, he's mindful of it. He knows exactly. And then he's just. The Lord our God is just in all he has done. Whatever we get, whatever has happened to us, we deserve it. <laughs> Because we walked away from God. God never walked away from us. God is a just God. You see, when we begin to understand who our God really is, I think, again, it will encourage and inspire not only prayer, but time in the Word and time in worship. Prayer is dependent on the character of God. And that's why Satan loves to attack the character of God. That's why even in the Garden of Eden, what did Satan do? He sought to attack and malign the character of God with Adam and Eve. Because if Satan can get people to think that God is up to something or has something to hide or isn't really good and all of that and doesn't have our best interests at heart, then we will have no desire, no heart to worship him, no heart to pray to him, and no heart to listen to him through his word. It's all about the character of God. And you and I have to come to a place in our life where we grow to have strong convictions about the character of our God. And even even if our whole life falls apart, just like Job, we have to have the faith that Job had. Though he slay me, I will trust him, Job said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's where we've got to get to. That I have such strong conviction about the character of my God that nothing can shake it no matter what. Finally, Notice verse 17, down through verse 19. Prayer consummates in God's glory. Notice twice in this passage from verse 17 through verse 19, these words at the end of verse 17, for your own sake, do this, God. Notice in the middle of verse 19, don't delay, for your own sake, do this, God. We are your people. Your reputation has been tied up with us. It's your city, Jerusalem. It's, it's your sanctuary, God. It's all about you. And so the reason that I come and I am praying about these things, God, is because I want you to be honored. I want you to be exalted. I want you to be glorified. It's not about us. It's not about me, God. It, it, we don't deserve anything. But God, you deserve the glory. So God, whatever you can do, however you 
you answer this, God, and help me, God, as your servant to understand what part I play in this so that you can be glorified? How do I fit into your plan and purpose of these 70 years and all of that, God? Let me know so that I can glorify you. When we come to God, totally in our prayers, seeking his glory and not ours or our comfort or our happiness or any of that, but we come primarily for his glory, ooh. And that's the standard Daniel has set. I love this. Don't leave me yet. This is good. Look at verse 20. While I was still speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my request before the Lord my God concerning his holy mountain. Yes, while I was still praying, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen previously in a vision, was approaching me in my state of extreme weariness around the time of the evening offering. In the very process of praying, Gabriel arrives with the answer from God. And don't miss this. Don't miss what Gabriel tells Daniel when he gets there. Because I think this should be an encouragement for each of us. He says, at the beginning of your request, verse 23, a message went out. A message went out from who? God to the angel saying, go down there and give him an answer. At the beginning, as soon as Daniel turned his heart to God, as soon as he set his face to God and began to open up his mouth, God was responding. God was moving. Now, again, we may not get the response or the answer from God that we're looking for, that we want, but we should all be heartened and encouraged by this fact. I believe that the moment you and I set our face toward God and we begin to pray about something, God immediately begins to move for the response and the answer to us. Think about that. That's why in other places of the Bible, it says, even while I was calling on you, you, you answered. You, you answered even before I maybe even started to speak. Because as soon as you saw that my heart was coming towards you, you were there. God will always meet us more than halfway, can I tell you? Always, always. And so I love that. Daniel says, as soon at the beginning of your request, the message went out. Get down and give him the answer. And here's the answer. I'll, I'll close with this. And this is the way God is. God, our God is full of surprises. Did you ever notice that? Things that we didn't see coming, God just sort of throws in for extras because he loves us so much, right? So Daniel's praying about this 70 years. God gives him way more than that. God gives him this revelation that takes him way past the 70 years, all the way into the end of time and the Messianic kingdom. Daniel didn't. He wasn't looking for that, but it's like, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for giving me way more than I asked for, which is who our God is too. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. To him then be glory in the church. 
Let God be seen for who he really is. I hope tonight, both in our tremendous time of worship, and I just want to thank Nicole and Ruth tonight for that time of leading us in worship. I hope tonight through our time of worship and our time in the word, you have been refreshed and encouraged tonight to continue to just build and grow in your worship of God, in your prayer life with God, in your time in his word, and just continue to let each one fuel the other. And the more you draw into God and the more we, we learn who our God is, we'll be in a much better place. Maybe our circumstances won't change, but our heart will align with God and he'll change us to be able to meet our circumstances. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight that we can pray to a sovereign God, a God who is in control, a God who is great and who is awesome and who is compassionate and who is forgiving, who is mindful, who is just, who is righteous. God, you are all those things and so much more. God, you are greater and more wonderful than we could ever wrap our minds around. And yet, God, you allow us into your very presence through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, may we never take that for granted. May we never stop appreciating the fact that we have you, God, and that we always have you, and that you're just a heartbeat away. It's just a matter of even our heart just turning towards you, and you're right there, God, for us. God, as we go home tonight, it's a little windy outside tonight, but we thank you that your wind has been blowing in here and hopefully in the homes that's been watching tonight. God, would you just wrap your arms of love and protection around all of us and take us home safely tonight and just help us to just lay down and rest in you tonight, God. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless. We'll see you next week.